Hi folks, you're listening to EtherCast. I'm Christopher Burris of the Ether Game Brain Trust. We've reached the finale of our three-part series on concert etiquette. One aspect of concert etiquette, that is, staying silent and solemn in the concert hall. This is part three, the transition. We find out how we went from the rowdiness of Mozart to the reverence of Mahler. We've mostly wandered Germany for this series. We're going to stay there. And some of you have probably expected that the root of modern concert life would come to this, where all classical music crossroads eventually intersect, Beethoven. Beethoven first starts composing, he's rooted squarely in the concert life that Mozart enjoyed. In fact, Beethoven traveled to Vienna as a boy in 1786 to study with Mozart, although that meeting never ended up happening. We're listening to Beethoven's first symphony, and for an early Beethoven work, it's already starting to show the seed of a unique style that would change the game for symphonic music and how people listen to music. You can also hear threads of the type of music the Mannheim Orchestra was playing. We heard all about that last episode, these long crescendos and dramatic dynamics, the Mannheim Rocket, the Mannheim Steamroller, stuff that gets audiences charged up. time, this is instrumental music that is starting to become, frankly, more engaging than the music that the Mannheim Orchestra played. The symphonies of Stamitz and Sammartini exhibited mostly surface-level techniques. You could say this music had a lot more to do with frills, but the underlying theory and the structure, that was pretty simple. Beethoven starts working below the surface, using whole areas of his symphonies to move to unusual keys in the music and repurposing fragments of his melodies in clever ways. He lays the groundwork for a genre of classical music that's not like the music of the past. It's not for background music while somebody's having a dinner party or even the easy listening light concerts of the Mannheim Orchestra. His music called for concerts to become more serious and academic, more about giving your full attention to the music to understand the depth of its craft and take full advantage of its emotional capacity. Now, though Beethoven creates this opportunity for serious, silent listening in the concert hall, he's not the one who is totally responsible for getting audiences to behave that way towards his music. Mm -hmm. 
listening to music from an opera by E.T.A. Hoffman called Undine, one of the great early German romantic jack-of-all-trades. He was part author, lawyer, music critic, poet, and composer, and he's most well-known for writing about Beethoven's symphonies and for raising the stakes on music criticism. His writing style was so well-liked and his ideas spread quickly, particularly the idea that music was the highest form of art. But what exactly does that phrase mean, the highest form of art? Another romantic idealist defined it best, Friedrich Schelling. He became for Wagner what E.T.A. Hoffman was to Beethoven. He wrote that music above all else expressed the secrets of the universe, evoked the absolute, the beyond, which language or visual images could never define. So this viewpoint spreads and the atmosphere in the concert hall changes. Listening to music became not only an entertaining pastime, it was participating in a metaphysical experience, a chance to glimpse the great mystery of existence. Couched in those terms, you can understand why audiences would stay a little quieter and a little more reverent. This is the mindset that guides Romantic-era composers going forward, like Liszt, Brahms, and especially Mahler, whose Fourth Symphony we're currently listening to, played by the Vienna Philharmonic. The Romantic era is still one of the most influential time periods on modern classical music culture. In fact, some folks would argue that we're more or less indefinitely stuck in it. Our concert etiquette is certainly a holdover from that time, but there has been a little change. Both the Pittsburgh Symphony and the Baltimore Symphony have become famously appreciative of audiences who clap their approval between symphonic movements. The nice thing now is that you can usually go online and find out what's appropriate. The Austin Symphony, for example, has an entire page on their website dedicated to concert etiquette. They prefer silence between movements, by the way. If you can't find a dedicated page, it's probably in the frequently asked questions. For the Ether Game Brain Trust, I'm Christopher Burris. Hopefully this little mini-series on concert etiquette will motivate you to go listen to some live classical music. But if you can't, join me and WFIU producer Mark Chilla every Tuesday night at 8 o'clock on WFIU for Ether Game, our classical music trivia show. You might just win a prize. Thanks for listening. <laughs>